Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I want to just get into some LA stories with you to get us going um, and kind of hear about your history with this town because it seems like you've got a lot of memories around every corner when we're driving around. You're like, oh, this happened there. I guess tell me first of all about your friendship with Ross, who was probably your first sort of close friend, right? When you moved out here, he was the guy that you connected with first. Would that be true? He was one of the first guys that was interested in my band at the time, yeah. And we became really good close friends then. And uh, yeah, he just, uh, back then... It was the very beginning state. It was after um, Christian Death, the band I was in when I first moved out here. Uh, I started thinking it was after my first band called Disorderly Conduct, which is a hardcore punk band. And then uh, I had this started an idea for a band called Amen, started playing around. And at that time, we were playing around a lot with a band that was called Creep, who was Corn um, under a different name with a different singer at the time. And Ross was working with them. The singer of Creep was a big fan of, of what we were doing. So he turned me on to Ross. And Ross was like, dude, I love your band. I want to record your demo. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. So that's the way it all began. But weren't you telling me once that he asked you to maybe think about being the singer in Corn? Did yeah, I mean, at first he was he, he mentioned, like, uh, they were looking for a singer and to, you know, kind of see if I was interested but they're you know a funky band I'm not much of a funky guy so uh, <laughs> I'm a little more of a punk rock guy and yeah, yeah. metallic punk whatever so that that didn't happen no no did you entertain the idea at all no I was pretty pretty headstrong in those days of what I wanted to do and I just for me music was always about just expression and I felt like they already had their expression they had their writers they had a a band of friends that had been together for a long time, so that was totally cool. Uh, hats off to them, you know. I just had to do my thing. Because for me, it didn't matter if it was going to be popular, if it was going to be... I just had to get the shit out of me. Early on for you, I guess, punk was like the light bulb, wasn't it, that, that set you off? I wonder if you could tell me about, you know, your history with that style of music, what it means to you, and how the first love of punk came around. Well, for me, growing, uh, I grew up in New York, and then my mother decided to move to Florida in the backwoods of Florida, like Deliverance Town, you know, swamp. And I didn't get along with people at all. Everybody kind of took the piss on me and was like, 
with my accent from New York. And uh, so music to me was kind of the enemy's tool. I really hated music because you ever you went, you heard Freebird and all the 70s rock and shit I just didn't identify with at all. And I went to a skateboard competition back then and I was in, and it was a really big competition where they had pros from around the world. Really, really amazing event. And they, it was a week long event and they roomed people with other skateboarders. So you'd be like roommates with somebody. So ironically, they roomed me up with Dwayne Peters, um, a skateboarder that I really, really admired because he had a, he was full of life in his images. He had like a punk rock image, even though I didn't really understand it or anything. It was, um, it was so for me when he uh, when we got in a room together, he goes, "Hey man, you like punk rock?" I'm like, "What's that? What's punk rock?" He goes, "Music, man. You like music?" I go, "Oh no, I hate fucking music." And he goes, why the heck do you hate music? And I'm like, oh, man, the people everywhere I hate, they hate mu- They love music, so I hate it. So he goes, oh, you'll love this. Puts in police, puts in a cassette tape on his big boom box he had, and it was, I'll never forget it, it was um, a song by Black Flag called Police Story, and the lyrics were, fucking city run by pigs. They take the rights away from all the kids. And I was like, as if I saw God's asshole open up. It was like the fucking universe to me, you know? It was beautiful. I was like, how can you say that? How can you do that? It was so noisy and full of life and energy. I was just like blown away. So I was completely addicted to it from that point on. And you got a photo on your wall behind us, which I'll share a link to, because that's out there in the world, isn't it? It's on the internet. The The Henry Rollins one. Oh, right. And he's kind of gurning his face off, holding a mic down. And you're not even looking at him. You're kind of just gazing off into space as if you're possessed. I'm kissing his cheek. (laughs) I'm kissing his cheek is what I'm doing. I'm kissing him. Um, That night right there must hold a thousand memories. Set the scene. That was... uh, Well, Henry had a television show and... um, he had, I mean, to me, it was like one of the best shows ever because he mixed all kinds of elements of art and important uh, pieces on culture and whatnot. And he had everybody from Iggy Pop to every the Queens of the Stone Age to that to Drive In, you name it, they were on the his. And he asked me if I would perform on there, and he just said, "I'm like you, oh, I, I couldn't believe it." I'm like, he goes, "I just want you to do." fucking full-blown he goes i'm uncensored and it's fucking whatever you want to do i want you to fucking do your thing and i'm like okay (laughs) so that's what we did and that was the that was the photograph after we were wrapping up that day oh sorry dude you're talking about a completely different photo i was talking about that one up there (laughs) i'm you just throwing in a fucking jewel and a gem and a bonus story no yeah Yeah, i was like kissing his cheek no so the gig photo when you're what like 10 there how old are you there i was 12 in that photo um, and that was the first punk rock show I'd ever seen it was Black Flag yeah that was your first gig first gig wow yeah and um, yeah that was the first show I ever seen I went early because I was corresponding with Chuck Dukowski at the time and uh, met the band and it was just I'd never seen anything like that to this day it was still one of the most powerful things I'd ever witnessed in my life was it an all ages show or did you sneak in it was I'm pretty sure it was a 21 and over because in Florida at that time, first of all, it was in Daytona Beach. Um, and it's there weren't really all ages things going on so much back then. If they were, they were on a different level. And I was just new to the scene, so I wasn't that aware of what was going on, to be honest with you. So that was a show in a bar that they snuck me into. And Who are um, the banded? Uh I actually think it was the band and maybe some of the guys I was with too. Right. It was just sort of like, oh, he's friends with the band or that type of thing. I don't really remember. But Did you find yourself hanging to... out with all the kids because you were a skateboarder and these were the guys who were your friends? Well, those, you mean that day? Yeah. That day, there weren't any kids. It was all like older dudes. Right. Yeah. Like everybody I went with was like, you know, 21 and over. Yeah, yeah, Skater yeah. guys, punk guys. So yeah, it was, it was a great fucking day. Tell me about your history with Danzig and Misfits. What did that band mean to you growing up? Were they another I band really that you had early? Well, because Henry had, the, Henry had the tattoo of uh, the Misfits, so I was I- interested in the Misfits, and uh, I got turned on to them, and I loved them, and I just started... Because in Florida, you couldn't buy these records. You couldn't get these records anywhere. 
And you'd have to correspond with the bands or the label or whoever and write to them and try to get... So I used to write to all those guys, like Ian Mackay and uh, Glenn Danzig, uh, mainly the SST office for uh, Black Flag and all the various releases they were putting out. Just handwritten letters. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I still got a lot of them, I was just telling you. Yeah. 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 So it, it was... Uh, yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting... You know, now in retrospect, especially because who would have ever thought, you know, Misfits just headlined the form. You know what I mean? Who would have ever thought back then? You know, you're dealing with a couple hundred records now. They're like a global institution, aren't they? I mean, even that Skull logo. If you don't know the band, you probably know of that. How do you feel about stuff like that? As a, you know, someone who prides himself, I guess, on authenticity and integrity, and um, that connection for you is very real. How do you feel about, say, you know, a band like the Ramones or Misfits that become almost like brand logos mm -hmm. and you see people obviously wearing the shirts and maybe don't have any connection to the music? Does that sit weirdly with you or do you not really care? Uh, for me, it's better if somebody is into... I mean, I don't know if somebody is not into the band, they just want to wear it to be a hipster or whatever, or if they don't know and they're just like, oh, I like that logo. I, I don't know. I don't care, but I think it's cooler than wearing a... You know, let's say a fog hat T-shirt or uh, <laughs> or some uh, some flavor of the month band this this year. You know what I mean? So I think it's cool. At least it's out there. Yeah. Um. Right there, you got David Bowie on your screen. I'm just drawing from the room before we uh, evolve and go any further. You mm. were telling me the other day, along with Iggy Pop, who we'll talk about in a bit as well. He was probably you know your all time hero, right? I I find David Bowie to be probably when it comes to the term artist, musical artist an artist in general i think he's probably the king of in my book for my personal taste he's flawless the work he did in the 70s alone is just all just you just sit in awe of it it's just so massive and so genius and brilliant and how many times he changed his character and and every every single thing he did was just brilliant to me i mean there was some stuff in the 80s, like most bands that were from that generation, they would get a little more commercial because of the MTV generation. But he still did quality work. It wasn't as much, I wasn't into it as much as I was the prior stuff, but he's one in a billion. There'll never be another David Bowie. History of the world, there will never be somebody like that, of that caliber. And I, th I honestly believe that the people like Lemmy and uh, Iggy Pop and all these, and Lou Reed and all these people, these full of life characters will never exist again because of, a, of a, an, an astounding amount of reasons but I just don't think that quality of people don't exist anymore do you think because art is so much more disposable in today's I, age I think that what's happened is um, from my personal view is that people there were it, in back in the day there was a thing called artist development and there was something where labels would invest into it into a some into someone like David Bowie let's say where they believed in his vision and he was able to make a a living creating doing his job which was creating art that has obviously been gone for many years now and hence it makes it more difficult for quality work to come out because people can't survive so I think it's uh, and everything today is so easy with the internet it's a real real like there is no suffering as, as far as like anything you want is at your fingertips of course there's suffering when it comes to pain or whatever but when it comes to like music and you really want to strive like I used to drive hours to buy a record one record just to find that one record now you can just download it for a dollar on the internet and uh but it's a different thing you know i just i think i think i like action i like going out of your way and suffering for something and it makes it much more enjoyable for me at the end yeah there's that element of um discovery mm -hmm. which makes it so much more exciting doesn't it i remember when i first discovered punk rock you'd read all the liner notes and see who the bands thanked and then you don't, you know, if, say, three bands all thank the same band, then you go out and check that that's band right. out. That's exactly right. And that's how pre-internet you discovered new bands, wasn't it? That is. And you can't find out anything about them beyond what's in 
the Kerrang interview that week, you know, trying to just get information about these people. And I guess when you said earlier about how big stars like David Bowie and Lemmy probably won't ever exist again, I think it's hard for them to exist when you can find out anything about anyone at any time, right? Well, I th- yeah, but I also think that that's going to be across the board, especially when it comes to even the actors. Look at the quality of actors that are around today who are the stars versus 10 years ago or 20 years ago. The quality of work is so not even a tenth of what it was back then because people really fucking worked hard. You know, you're talking about having to put a lot of effort into something to for your craft versus putting it together, let's say, on Pro Tools mm-hmm. where you don't even have to play a full song and you don't even have to have, know how to play an instrument, basically. You could just... Uh, I don't know. I guess it's fun for kids or people or whatever. That's cool. It's just... I, I haven't found anything that's really inspired me that way. You had some times with David Bowie, right? Yeah, I've got. I had the opportunity to meet him several times and have dinner with him and stuff. Yeah. What do you learn from someone like that when you're up close and in their company? How you love this person, their music growing up, and once for me, most of the people that I've met that I've really grew up admiring it was no wonder once i met these people it was as if you knew them forever and it was as if you had a connection to them because everything they were communicating about that you connected with there was a reason for that is because you connected with that individual who created that art and i think that nine times out of ten these people are the most beautiful people you've ever met and it's like and sometimes you end up being friends with these people and they take you under their wing or I've had a lot of that happen in my life where these people that I never even dreamt about meeting, let alone uh, talking to, would actually call me or want to do something with me or you know be involved with, it's just, it's uh, for that, in that terms of life, I've definitely had one of the richest lives for my life beyond my dreams you know getting to work with people that i've truly truly think are the the highest most elite individuals that ever created the art and iggy pop yep there was there was some real kind of creative magic going on between the two of you right well we got together um we were there was a point where ross wanted was gonna produce the record i believe and he um asked me to write it so you know we ended up working together and um meeting up and listening to some of his songs and exchanging ideas and playing songs together and made a bunch of demos and unfortunately the record never came to be for various reasons but um because and uh but everything was beneficial because at the end of it ross was like dude you got to keep these songs these songs even if this iggy thing goes through you got to keep some of these songs these are like the best things you've ever done and a lot of those records went a lot of those songs went on to be a record we released called we have we have come for your parents so it turned out all for the better right on and his son became your tour manager yes right eric his son became our tour manager and the funnest tour manager of all time (laughs) (laughs) does he sound like iggy does he talk like Iggy? because that voice is so distinct i wonder if that's something that is in the gene yeah yeah he does have he like i said he looks like a giant iggy he's like seven feet tall practically and uh he's just a real character just like jim just like real real really amazing dude um was lemmy a good friend of yours and was it I was friends with Lemmy, definitely. Yeah. I mean, definitely through the years, you know, we'd always see each other and stuff, and we hung out several times, more than that probably in L.A., you know, and uh, definitely was a friend, yeah. Did you, were you friends with him in the drinking days? Did you Oh yeah, cut loose with oh, him? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> another, yeah, I mean, definitely many nights with Lemmy, that's yeah. for sure. Any you care to share? Oh man, I don't know. You know, you can just imagine. I mean, it's just he is just he was the best. You know, and that week was like to me one of the most iconic weeks of misery because two of the greatest people that I, two of my top five, you know, people that create art and music, Lemmy and David Bowie, were dead in a week, 
and it's just like there isn't a day that I don't miss hearing their voice or look forward to seeing them again or something you know they were really important to me as individuals that created something that was more powerful and more important than any politician ever did and um, definitely definitely were landmarks in history and it was right around Christmas time as well yeah, wasn't it exactly yeah a sad Christmas that year. <laughs> yeah. And it almost seemed to be the start of a huge wave yeah. of of deaths. And part of it is, I think, age, obviously. But then a lot of people have been passing away so young mm-hmm. recently as well. It's been a real fucking dark couple of years, hasn't it, for losing? Well, I think it's all because of the computer myself. But You do? Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of artists, people that I know, people, it, it it's becoming more and more difficult for these people that are creative entities not to be able to survive doing what they do. And um, it's pretty demolishing to someone who's an actual artist because artists by nature are more sensitive. You yeah. Know? So I think you see a lot of, so you see a lot of the negative connotations from it. Do you remove yourself from that world as much as you can? Which one? The old sort of social media realms. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really think it's amazing that people want to communicate and stuff, and I try to do that um, as much as I can, but it's almost like you... I didn't get involved... I was talking to, about this with a friend of mine. I didn't get involved in music to be a social butterfly. I didn't... I, not that I don't like people, and of course uh, I the people that I get to meet through what I do are amazing people, of course. And I would love to hang out and love to do more things, but it's impossible. It's like, do I want to create or do I want to just hang out and communicate on a friendly basis? And I, like I said, I try to do both, but it's increasingly more and more difficult for me because with the phone going off every five minutes, it's impossible to write a song. It's impossible to write lyrics if your phone's on. It takes you right out of that moment, and whatever you were thinking or whatever vibe you were on is destroyed the minute that phone goes off for myself. I don't have that big of a brain, I guess. I just can't get back to that path that I was on before the phone rang. So it's difficult with all these conveniences and having to upgrade your computer. It's amazing. We're the slave to the computer. We're the ones that have to do all the upgrading and all these updates and all this bullshit. And it's just like the amount of stuff you got to remember how to do on a computer. It's so much pointless information. We wouldn't need to know if it wasn't mandatory to use in our day-to-day life. So it's, it's a necessary evil, I guess. I try to limit it a little more, I think, than the average Joe. Do you know one of my least favorite things is the automated phone service things when you call up, say, your bank and you <laughs> and you just want to talk to a human and you're on the phone for like fucking 10 minutes and it's like, press one to speak about this, press three, to, and you're like, just put a human on. Like, we could have done this and solved this in the time that I've been listening to all these different options just go on and on and on. It's that, fucking nuts. It's my favorite thing <laughs> in the world right there. That, like, when I'm in hell, when I go to hell, that will be my hell. I'll be on phone the entire time, and I'll be in a line of people who will be talking really loud about nothing and have no consciousness about personal space. So they'll keep bumping into you, and meanwhile, I'll be on the phone the whole time trying to, let's say, pay a bill like I did the other day. I had to pay something for my car. Every time they ask for my credit card, I was on the phone for over an hour, first of all. No human beings. <laughs> yeah. Impossible. You keep saying operator. They're not the fucking operator. Nobody comes on alone. Every time it got to the end, I would say, okay, now to process your credit card. Every time I gave the number, they go, we do not understand that command. Can you repeat? And then they give you one more option, and then they disconnect on you. So then yeah. you have to go back online, back on the phone for another hour and do the whole thing again, and it did it twice to me. Twice. Do you find yourself like I do this, just literally screaming at this computer? I, I voice. find myself. Like, Fuck you. I, I'm just. <laughs> I cannot. I, I don't know how to. I do not. Ha- I just feel. I'm just like defeated. I'm like, of course that happened. Why would it not happen? <laughs> and you know, you've just got to go through it all again. Yeah, they're just. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charles Bukowski. One of my all-time favorite writers, such a unique voice. Mm. Was he someone that you knew? 
Yeah, like, I, I met him right when I moved when I was sixteen. When you were sixteen? Yeah, yeah. When I was California, yeah, and I actually got to hang out with him at a bar that he used to be the local at, right across the street from a restaurant called Muchelli's in Hollywood uh-huh. on Las Palmas, and they used to. Um, let me go in there to this bar and hang out and just have drink cokes and then he bought me some drinks sometimes and I have some books he signed for me and everything you know? amazing he was an amazing guy and what a character right what a character and brilliant writer brilliant I mean what fucking genius and was he someone who'd surround himself with a lot of people or was he more no. of a lone oh. wolf kind of dude oh he was like he'd show up the bar by himself maybe with a friend or maybe some chick that kind of looked maybe like kind of not maybe not a street girl but mm-hmm. close i don't know <laughs> maybe the girl that you wouldn't take home to meet your mother kind yeah of yeah he just he was, <laughs> he was amazing man how do you become aware of someone like that at such a young age because i didn't get into him till super late right because a lot of those bands were referencing his work and totally and in publications back then with punk rock magazines they exposed all kinds of art that's what makes punk so important because he would expose not just about the regular Sex Pistols, Clash, Bands. There'd be other articles on art, writers, uh, fashion, whatever. It was all about exposing real shit that was punk rock in other cultures and in other facets of art. Um, And I felt that was really important to me. You know, you don't see that in metal magazines, per se. Not that I have anything... I love metal magazines, too. But I think with punk rock, there's definitely some publications... They want to turn you on to all kinds. Okay, you like this kind of music? Maybe you're going to like this kind of um, writer, you know? You know, the same way, like J.G. Ballard. I don't know if you know about him. Of course, yeah. See, I, I learned about him um, through, uh, I think it was like Slash Magazine even, because they used to have amazing articles. But yeah, yeah. What was the big magazine back in the day? Was it Maximum Rock and Roll? Was that an important one? Well, you had Maximum Rock and Roll. You had Flipside Magazines, which was... The main ones. You had great um, magazines from Boston called Triple X, uh, Fanzine, you had Suburban Voice. You had um, all kinds of public. I mean, before Flipside and before Maximum Rock and Roll was a magazine called Slash, was based out of L.A., who were the label that signed the Germs and were putting out a lot of and signed a lot. Of, worked with a lot of artists. They had an incredible magazine. Um, and they just put out like a compilation of their magazines, I believe, in hardcover or something. But you know, it was it was that's the way I learned about so much other stuff. You know, like Bukowski and uh, some artists like Basquet and people like that. You know, at an early age, just from reading those articles. I didn't know until like literally two days ago. I just watched this documentary that's coming out about Joan Jack or Bad Reputation. I didn't realize that she produced. That Germs record, yeah. which is phenomenal. Yeah. Like, and she was such a champion for bands like Bikini Kill very early on as well. Like, I didn't realize how really hands-on she was within that punk rock community. Yeah. Um, almost like, I guess if you could call Lemmy the king of that world, yep. Joan Jett's kind of basically the queen, isn't she? Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. I mean, I mean, she's, I mean, she's just going as hard as she was back then, even harder maybe now. You know, she's still out there playing and doing quality work did you see the germs perform did you ever catch oh them? no no that was way before me yeah no but i definitely would i would say the germs were one of my favorite bands of all time straight up what Easy. was it just the nihilistic kind of rawness or um you know i i don't know um i thought his lyrics were brilliant i thought the fact that they were kind of like the stooges was unpredictable you didn't know what was going to happen can they even play? Who cares? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and the decline, the movie, you see him singing, and, uh, you know, you can't even read the subtitles to it because you, they don't make any sense, you know? It's, like, brilliant. I love that. It was, you know, it was, it was a unique band, and they were definitely unbridled, and uh, I thought they wrote great songs. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And the British punk for you, did that come later or did it all happen at once? Because... It was obviously kind of two separate scenes, really, wasn't it? The style was very different, I think, from both sides of the pond. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, I got into, when I got into punk, I got into it all. You know, so it didn't matter where it came from. I was into punk bands from Indonesia. I was into punk bands from wherever. Japan, Japanese punk, I really love. And um, the UK, but the UK stuff, it's funny, in retrospect, you know, now a billion years later, the UK <laughs> stuff actually stands up almost stronger than any other country um, for me, With especially when you're talking about bands like Killing Joke or you're talking about bands like UK Subs. Um, I mean, there's a billion bands I could reference, but those are just a couple that I think is just like as if it still stuff isn't that good compared to what that was, mm-hmm. you know? It just isn't it's uh, there was something going on i think culturally in the uk at that time um what was going on affected the music incredibly and i think that's why so much strong music was coming out of the uk at that point what's your connection to the uk is it a place you well my parents are european first right. of all so i've always been a little bit more in tow with anywhere outside of america you know, I'd never really seen eye to eye on a lot of things in American culture, and I just, I, uh, just felt more comfortable in other countries. Every time I travel the world, I feel far more comfortable anywhere I go. So, um, you know, for me, it, the, I think musically, it was just there were they had a lot of stuff to say. They said it, and there was there was a certain like bravo about British punk which not many other countries had. Japan did a little bit, but I think like with, for me in an American punk rock, when you're talking like Stooges, it's just fucking sleaze, underbelly, industrial, fucking just full-blown power, like, ugh. Brits kind of, ugh, with two flying Vs and a fist up your ass, you know? And a mouthful of gold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, I I don't know you know but I think culturally, with the with what was happening in the world at that time in the UK, with the strikes and all that stuff going on, and politically what was going on even more so, really affected the music. And obviously a lot of those guys have become you know friends of yours as well. Do you do you like hanging out with with British people? I I would say I you probably have well. more British friends. Yeah. Than anything else, British. Definitely is up there, yeah. I would say British people I get on with really well. And um, I just got back from the UK, and I had the, probably one of the best trips I ever had. You know, it was incredible. Just I was sorry to miss you on it. I know. Yeah, well, been, next well. We've got to hang out my side, man. Yeah, we've got to we hang will. out my side. Of course we will. You're always showing me around your side. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, for me, it's crazy because a lot of those American bands didn't last long, did they? I kind of 
burnt very brightly for a short period mm-hmm. of time either broke up or death kind of took people away or whatever but with a lot of these british bands aside from the pistols and the clash i mean you look at the damned who just put out and like a new record this year buzzcock still at it uk yep. sub still at it tim tv smith the adverts yep. still at it the list is kind of endless almost all of those bands in one way shape or form are still doing it like not just doing the kind of nostalgic tours either but releasing new music absolutely like just fucking absolute lifers Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it i mean why not if kansas can do it why can't (laughs) uk subs you know more power to charlie always um let's talk about your friend dane carr so we're going to be we're going to be going out later with him he was just on the show a couple of days ago as well he asked me to ask you about the time that you, him, and Ross Robinson <laughs> got arrested and spent the night in jail. Oh, God. He didn't tell he you about it, it? He put it on you. Oh, he was fuck like, you ask Casey about it. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Dean. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It was like, it was funny because I, I had become really close friends with Dean and I was friends with Ross for a long time. And it was crazy to me. They never met. It was just so strange. I'm like, all right, that's it. This is preposterous. I'm saying we're going to Vegas this weekend. The three of us jumped in a car, went to Vegas, ended up in jail in the middle of the next that night, that night later that night. It was just funny, but the cops were cool. It was just some stupid bullshit, but it was funny because the cops were super cool and they were laughing about the whole thing. They're like, "This is it was some hotel rule or something. I don't even remember." But um, they took a bunch of Polaroids of us and like hanging out with the cops and we were like just all dingy and dirty and laying on the Playing floor up to the lounge, yeah totally yeah. like that guess if we were convicts in san quentin or something did they know who did they know who any of you were or did I, they I just think, think so. these guys are fucking interesting fun dudes Let's yeah we were fun. just cool about it we didn't we weren't like trying to be macho or something like that we were just like okay whatever you say boss you know having a good time they were having a good time that was it and you and Dean had a friend, um, the woman, I can't remember her name, you were telling me about her the last time I was out here, who used to be um, head of Universal. Oh, uh, no, uh, Nancy like... Berry. Nancy Berry was the head of uh, Virgin, right? Like a big, big, big player in yeah. the record Yeah, well, she was married to Ken Berry. I guess through a friendship with someone like that, you really go behind the curtain into that world as well, right, and see all the well, I, I owe... excess and... I mean, I I owe so much to Nancy Berry. To me... She was the last bastion of hope from commerce and art um, because she would invest in signing a band like Amen and also uh, Spice Girls and Bowie and Lenny Kravitz and all these different types of artists and be able to balance it all and knew how to treat her artists and uh, just when you think of those rock and roll decadent parties and stuff like that, she knew how to take care of business and um, take chances. And uh, if it wasn't for her, this band definitely wouldn't have had a smidgen of a shot as much as it did. And that was purely and simply down to her belief in you and what you were doing. Yeah. I mean, she, because we were friends also before, before, Dean and I knew her before Amen ever signed, and even before we signed the Roadrunner, she was interested in signing the band. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to compete with uh, Spice Girls and all this stuff. I think you know we'll be kind of forgotten, mm-hmm. low down the pecking order. Yeah. yeah. So I figured we, we'd put out we'd, we did our first record, and then uh, after that, then we went to Virgin. So that was great. And was that a taste for you of sort of the last? days of the record business well we wanted to so we went signed to sony after that which was still kind of that but it was nothing compared to being signed by nancy you know on nancy's label through her and yeah i mean you get definitely a, it was definitely special do you look back at all those days with a fond oh man fond I, memory it seems like you were right there at a time it's particularly in this city with people like Ross and Dean as well, like all your friends were just involved in the coolest shit that was going Absolutely. on. You're Absolutely. You are right there on the pulse. They were all there. They were all there doing shit. And that's, that's I think, where the, you know, um, what I really love about the city is that you run into people who are taking care of shit, doing shit, 
making shit happen and um, it doesn't matter what they do it's just and you get on because it's just sort of uh, you know that's what I really loved about hanging out with they were so creative and inspiring to me they were doing so much incredible work and I found that inspiring and you were obviously around were you around bands like say Manson and Slipknot and all these well, bands well yeah were- I mean Slipknot and us recorded our first record at the same time in the same studio with Ross I went over like I blew my voice out recording the Amen record the first Amen record so um, Slipknot was booked like the day after we were, our time was up but Ross was like why don't you stay up here because we were living in a studio up in Malibu which was in the middle of the mountains so I just stayed up there Slipknot came early and they were hanging out with us while we were still recording we got to be we became friends and then um I, when they were done recording during the day i'd go in and do vocals so um yeah that's wild and then even later on i mean ross was such a a key f- figure in so many like sub genres and musical movements mm-hmm. wasn't he? And later on of course there was like glass jaw mm-hmm. and at the drive-in and you were around a lot of all that action as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I mean, when I was in town, definitely. You know, there was some like I brought a band to him. He signed called Blood Brothers. Yep, I found them and just uh, hip Ross to it. Figured he'd like them. So uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to. We were friends, so we were hanging out a lot. <laughs> you know, whenever I was in town. <laughs> What's your memories of making those Amen records, being in the studio and, you know, because they're so raw and visceral and honest and powerful. And when you lay yourself out there that way, is it difficult? Is it sort of emotionally stressful? Is it cathartic? It's definitely cathartic. It's definitely, I mean, you know, those days it was a lot, a lot, uh, a lot of experience had to be put into making those records Mm -hmm. so it definitely created a lot of problems for me in the long run but i wouldn't have changed a thing because it's that's what we're here to do we're supposed to use our bodies as tools to express so uh i think uh i'm really grateful i had the opportunity to even make a record let alone you know i would do anything to to uh you know i i've consistently made music since then so i consistently um try to challenge myself on different levels so it's, I'm just grateful I was ever able to do those records and the touring side of things is that where you feel most in your element would you say live on stage is that we haven't you know I haven't played out for a long fucking lifetime um, but um, there's been many many records made and many many things that's happened uh, so we'll see if people want it we'll be back out People want it, dude. We'll see. People want it. We'll see. We'll see. Um, what's been keeping you from the stage? Has it been your health? I mean, there's been health issues, but, um, you know, there's a lot of other elements. I was involved with working with so many different people over the years and creating on different levels and doing different things. It's It's impossible to even think about how long it's been and um i just don't compromise so like if i get involved in a record that i'm making and i lose interest i pretty much put it away even though people go that's the best record you ever made it's still on the shelf because something i detached from something along the way and i don't want i don't believe in moving backwards is there a lot of music like that over the years that you've started and never finished for that reason? There's several albums. Several albums, yes. Yeah. Completed. So, several that are completed and three that are incomplete. And you won't ever put them out? Uh, maybe. Them? Maybe. I mean, maybe one day. But for the first record that's going to come out whenever it does come out, um, that one is recorded. I'm in the process of finishing it now. So um, anything else from prior to that I'm sure we'll see the light of day in one way or another I'd give it away for free I don't care you know I just want to I don't want the money from it it's just a matter of like you know they need to be mixed and stuff like they're not mixed so you know it takes money to do that and I gotta invest the money in the current record I'm making so you know it's a little little difficult when you don't have a you know let's say the the money from or the uh, the, the the money to be able to finish them 
So you've just said there an Amen album is finished, is it? Well, I'm working on one. There's there's three records that were completed that are near completion that were recorded over the last three years. So, and we is who was the team involved with you? Uh, Ross was involved with recording one of them. Um, another one. I was involved with doing something else, but it's all Amen material. It's all stuff I went in, um, you know, Dave Lombardo plays drums on the record with Ross, and Shannon Larkin plays drums on some of that record as well. Roy plays drums on some of the other one that we recorded, so Roy Mayorga. Um, so I have the best drummers in the world. Yeah, I was going to say, gonna, right? I would say, for my, for my personal taste, my yeah. favorite three drummers, so... I'm really pleased with that. So hopefully they'll get completed soon and we'll have a way to release it. I love it. Well, I hope so. Thanks. And it's been a long time coming. <laughs> I remember the last time we were out here. I know. I know. Like... Uh, <laughs> Everybody tells me the same thing. And I know I, I, uh, it's a complicated life. It doesn't make sense to anybody, but do we do the best we can? And how are you in yourself? Are you happy with where you are in life? Do you feel at peace? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely all right. You know, I mean, I'm always all right. It's just, uh, you know, I I want to be able to. Uh, I'm just grateful that I've been able to have the opportunity to do what I've done, and uh, hopefully it'll continue. You know, we'll see what happens. Make some more noise if people want it. <laughs> if they don't, I'll still make some fucking noise. <laughs> I, love it. I love the way you say that. I I've always been all right as well. I'll always be all right. You feel like there ain't anything life can throw at you that you can't overcome. Uh, well, I've died twice. Um, I've um, was, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, definitely um, had an interesting life. So I'm not afraid because I was given a death sentence when I was 16. They said I wouldn't live to be past 21. So um, I'm pretty grateful. And uh, at the same time, it's a double-edged sword, like, you know, and you just don't give a fuck. You know, you just got to go do what you're going to do and whatever happens, happens. And live in total gratitude that you've given the, the experience and fucking ride that fucking thing out, whatever it is, to the fullest. Don't fucking half-ass shit because everybody today, I don't know, for me, I see a lot of people half-assing shit. Like when I hear... A, a band record the record and they don't even play through an entire song. It's all chopped together. I, that's 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 shit. There's no craftsmanship in that. The reason we buy things, the things, the reason we people buy a let's say a Rolls Royce or whatever these fancy cars are, is because of craftsmanship, and and it's because it's the art that's put into it. When you're selling something that's important, is more important. The most important. Artistic form is music. I don't give a fuck what anybody says because it communicates to everybody. You couldn't watch a movie without music in it. You couldn't watch TV without music in it. You couldn't... There is no possible way there's... You could continue. I mean, I guess you could. People can live without music if they wanted to. But to the average guy, you need music in your life. It's something that translates... Every, it, it, it it cancels everything out and is an equal playing board and you can you you it doesn't matter where you come from you can communicate on that level um and when you take the craftsmanship out of something that's so powerful and so important music is such a ritual and it's so important and you just fucking don't even take the time out to play an entire song or record it and just copy and paste and all this shit, it's the worst. It's like utter blasphemy. Pe people talked shit about Millie Vanilli. Remember that fucking shit? Millie Vanilli were geniuses to most of the aggressive music bands today because they don't even play their songs. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, 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 it's a crazy fucked up world. Who cares?
<laughs> who's your favorite person to sit down and talk about music with who is on exactly the same page as you oh, do you I have your know. you got your spiritual music partner out there no i don't know i like talking to everybody about music because i like different opinions i because i think for me i've never known anyone that is so in love with both metal and punk mm. and i guess that's what made amen really special wasn't it is kind of they are the perfect marriage is it of, a, <laughs> okay. of those two things i, I think that's know. what made you guys unique you know yeah. because you're hard to categorize and hard to define and mm -hmm. i think it's just because it's it's half of that and half of that which is kind of you isn't it that's your well i think also the it seems like the thing i mean for me you know i was into a lot of other types of music too i mean like bands for me like gang of four mm -hmm. is like one of my favorite bands Fantastic band, yeah. because that guitar playing is so fucking brilliant. Was is easily one of the most important guitar players to me, because he played in a such a dissonant way and so unique and aggressive, and it was just he created that sound. And for me, since I never knew how to play notes or anything, or I tuned my instruments different, I just created my own sound. And I think that's why it seems like Ross would always say was why Amen was so unique was. I played everything on the records, so it has that unique sound where it's not like a normal, te uh, uh, technically efficient guitar player could play our songs, and it just doesn't sound right. It's just sort of like he goes, "Why have an interpretation of the source when we have the source?" Yeah, and you don't, you're so unorthodox. Nobody plays like you. You know, it's totally different. So, are you entirely self-taught? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I took one lesson when I was a little kid, and uh, that was it. Fuck this. I, yeah, it just wasn't my thing. It was like he was trying to show me technical. I didn't, I don't want to be, I, I'm not interested in like finger hot licks and doing these. Eddie Van Halen Yeah, shit. yeah. It's like, cool, they can do that. That's awesome. That's just not what I'm interested in. I just want to get this shit out of my soul and I don't need to be technically uh, uh, some skilled guitar player to do that, you know. I can just use a two by four and a, uh, bass string <laughs> have you got a song that you're perhaps most proudest of no above all others is there a favorite child out there every single song everything every time i get asked that there'd be like this is the greatest example of what happens with amen every album i record a shitload of demos like for the parents album i recorded 73 songs with shannon larkin and then at the end of me demoing them all in and with larkin we sit in my room with the band, and everybody has a sheet of paper, except for me. I don't have a vote. I, I refuse to vote. So it's the four guys in the band that would, we'd list, we'd all sit in the same room, put on a song, and at the end of the song, everybody wouldn't talk to anybody, and they just wrote down their number for the song, like one out of ten. Right. So whatever songs made the highest numbers would be the songs that made the record. That's how you do it. That's the way we did it. And I had no say because I, I can't judge what I do. Because every time, back to the question you asked, which is my favorite, every time I say, oh, I love this song, like in that scenario, it would be the lowest ranked song and it would have taken me like a week to write that song as opposed to the song that I completely wrote spontaneously with Shannon in the room. I just go, okay, we don't know what we're gonna play right now. Push record, go, hit a beat. And we'd write a song. That song was like the favorite song, as opposed to the one that actually took time out. So that's why I can't ever choose anything. You know, it's just sort of like I do what I do, and you guys decide. That's that's cool. crazy. And then you would just be happy with that decision, yeah. And you'd leave it down to their, yeah. I mean, I have a say in judgment. And when it came time after they picked the songs, they trusted me to you know the album sequencing and all that type of stuff. They had their opinions too, but you know, as far as picking the songs, I'm way out of it. That's wild. How many songs do you reckon you've written? Jesus, I have no... A lot. There's a lot of... I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of songs just on this computer alone. Fucking hell. Yeah. I mean, from when I was a kid to now. I mean, that's all I did as a kid was just sit in that room with my little four-track cassette Tascam recorder and just demo songs. I do it to a drum machine. I do it trying to play drums myself, which is the worst thing you ever want to hear is me on drums. That's one thing I cannot play. But I'd do anything just to express, just to get it out of me. I had to get it out of me. Apart from Amen, what's been your favorite sort of musical experience? 
That's a good question. I mean, um, I would say as far as, oh man, we had a little band with Josh and Nick from Queens of the Stone Age with Shannon and I and Twiggy played bass called Headband, which is very short-lived but very fun while it did. What era would that have been? That would have been when like, Queens were, I, that was when Queens were doing Songs for the Deaf. That's when I was doing um, Death Before Music. And then uh, definitely one of my favorite things I've ever done is the record I did with um, in Norway with the guys from Emperor and Turbo Negro. Um, Emperor and Turbo Negro. Yeah, it's called Scum. This wow. Record, it's amazing. Is that out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was definitely one of my favorite, favorite things I've ever done. Getting asked to sing for the Damned for that anniversary show was incredible. One night, but it was amazing. Did Every you, opportunity. Did you get nervous? I did actually yeah. because there's so much like so much. There were so many terms like Cockney rhyming slang and stuff like that in the that I never knew. So having to retrain my thought. First of all, having to sing somebody else's lyrics is something I never did ever ever. I've never sang somebody else's lyrics, so that was a challenge in itself, and that made me kind of let alone for like my favorite band yeah yeah so that was a challenge but it was amazing uh i mean just working with darren malakian for scars on broadway that was fun even though did you co-write was it they say uh no byob byob yeah fucking hell and that won a grammy right that song yes i believe it did that's an incredible song it was fun it was fun. Uh, then, then uh, I mean, there's just so many things. You've worked with some fucking cool people. Working, uh, yeah, I mean, with Raven from Killing Joke was always a blast. We worked a lot together. I mean, pretty long list of, yeah. We Did you do one of the, it's not music-based, but did you, well, it's kind of music-based. Did you do one of the radio voices on the Songs for the Deaf album? Yeah. Did you chip on one of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when we were doing Headband, the sideband I was just mentioning, yes. That record for me is like one of the last great LA rock and roll albums, well, California, mm-hmm. and it, it just captures, I mean, the landscape, the kind of culture, and that band at that point in time were just fucking unstoppable. They were brilliant, weren't they? I love, I loved, I really, we, and we, they, we played shows like in L.A. We did like a show at the Troubadour, and they were, and they, it was, uh, they did like a, they opened for us under like a, we were wearing masks and stuff like that type thing. It was fucking amazing. But uh, yeah, those guys were good friends, good guys, and an amazing band. Definitely a force. Nick's been on the show. I love talking to him. I love Nick. He's a special guy, isn't he? I think he's he gets, so unique. He gets a really bad reputation for you know whatever one reason or another, but I found him to be a sweetheart. He and, is. He's an angel, and he's and the thing about Nick that's so brilliant is that he can sing as fucking brutal as possible as anybody can, and but he has perfect pitch, so he can sing an acoustic song like an angel. It's such a unique talent and he's so talented and I love him he's the best dude he's definitely a great guy are you close with Josh as well yeah Josh and I are friends too yeah I don't see Josh that that much though because um, you know he is more busy and stuff yeah yeah I mean for me I don't want to shit talk but I I think that that band misses Nick and the magic of the band was their chemistry those two yeah I I, for me I I I prefer the band with Nick in it Um, dude Thank you for coming on the show Thank finally. You, I've been looking forward to this My for a long pleasure. time. I love hanging out with you. I love hearing I your love stories. I love hanging out with you. Shall we have a little smoke? Let's do it. And a big red? Yeah, and a fist <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Everybody's going to the party. Have a real good time. Dancing in the desert. Blowing up the sunshine. Everybody's going to the party, have a real good time Dancing in the desert, blowing up the sunshine Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.